Welcome to episode 203. There have been big decisions over the last year with complex webs of decision making. But what about the smaller ones? Five steps to quick team-based decisions. That's today on The Reclaimed Leader. Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey, everyone, welcome to episode 203 of the Reclaimed Leader, Equipping Churches for Turnaround Change. I'm Jason Tucker, here again with Jesse Skiffington. How's it going, Jesse? Uh, hanging in there, Jason. It's been a crazy couple of weeks in our family life, and uh, but, you know, we're we're still making our way forward through... Um, leadership and life and uh, kids are back in school and we're doing that. It's fall, solidly fall out here now in the Pacific Northwest. So it's rainy and windy and all that stuff. And and that's fun for about <laughs> oh, five yes. days. We <laughs> love that for about five days and then we're ready. You know, there's that first time you pull on the sweatshirt and jeans, you know, and you're like, ah, oh, it feels good. And then, you know, it'll be June before we see the sun again. So, you know, what <laughs> Yeah, but I'm just going to remember all those times you bragged about the weather out there. So no, it's listen, pretty good. Even the fall is, is great. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how are things with you, Jason? How how are you doing? Things are good. Uh, you know, we just had we were able to celebrate our annual that we didn't get to do during COVID or the beginning part of COVID. Let's say we did our annual uh, Tower Hill Sunday, which is we get inflatables, we do food, we do all this stuff, and we did that yesterday and it was such a wonderful thing people spirits were high our attendance still is not back physically to what it was prior to the pandemic mm-hmm. i would say we are we are approaching two thirds which is exciting um yeah. but we've more than made close that gap on those who watch us online so actually if you total our numbers it's more than what we averaged uh, prior mm-hmm. to the pandemic so it's a it's kind of this crazy wacky thing we're all trying to figure out, but it felt so yeah. good just to sit around, have coffee and breakfast sandwiches, watch the kids bounce on the bounce house and have conversations with folks. It was a beautiful day and yeah. it felt like, yes, we've all been waiting for this. It felt so, so good. So yeah, I love I think that. People are really, really pumped right now. Yeah. I think that's so important to create, you know, we're going to get into some conversation here uh, that I can't wait to get to, but, but just that comment before that is, I don't know. I mean, we just need some wins, right? We need some <laughs> things that feel good. And even if it's just a moment and then we're right back into the complexity of things, that, that uh, that's okay. It's kind of like, you know, when you're out playing golf, if you're not like a pro golfer, golf can be kind of a frustrating game and it's hard and you get down on yourself and all that. But then you hit the one shot that's like, you're like, oh, look at that shot. Or you make a long putt or you hit this good chip or, you know, you finally hit a straight drive. And it kind of, it, it tells you, this is why I'm doing this. It feels good. And so, and it makes you want to come back and do it some more. And so I feel like right now we need some days like that yeah. where it just feels good, reminds us of why we do what we do and why, why that community matters so much. So I love it. So I uh, hope you all are out there finding those moments of, of uh, just going, ah, that felt so good uh, because we haven't had a lot of that in the last 18 months. And so it's great when we, it happens. We haven't. And and listen, not everything is is rosy. You know, I mean, we got all right. sorts of challenges happening. Yeah. But it yeah. felt so good to feel like, you know, we got not just a taste of normal, but a, a taste of unity. 
You know, it's one of those events where you draw people from both worship services. And for us, that means a real generational overlap and yeah. just hanging around around some food. And, and it, it was outside. So people felt safe and um, it was just really, really great. But hmm. everything, you know, kind of making that event happen, all the decisions that have to go into that. And then something else happened a couple of weeks ago that I had to be reminded of sometimes you could just make decisions pretty quick. And it doesn't have to be this big, complex, we're getting out PowerPoints and we're doing town hall meetings. And I think I've forgotten that because of how complicated this season has been. Yeah, it feels like yeah. the default has been it's a complicated decision when it's like, well, okay, okay, wait a minute. Let's remember maybe how can we take a little more decisive action? And mm-hmm. and actually, you know, it's kind of another sports example, but this happened with my son Jason. It's his first year playing tackle football and he is loving it. He is uh He's having a blast, but so he's playing a couple of positions, tight end and defensive end and defensive end. He's, he was getting too much in his head with, with how to move his hands. He's so worried about having fast hands that he's forgetting the initial thing to do is to hold his ground and keep his eyes on the play. Mm -hmm. And so what was happening was he was like confusing himself which was making him about a half step slower than he should have been. And, uh, and so halftime of the game, I was actually on the sidelines. because I was helping the team with something and he's like, I don't get it. And I'm like, and I go, I'm like, Jason, just play, just play. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just play fast. And sure enough, that's what did it. And I feel like there's something to that. Hey, let's just play fast that I needed to be reminded of when it comes to just making decisions in the church. And I don't mean like you're skirting around the proper process or anything. I just mean not everything has to be a huge discussion that we have to table for two or three months to make a decision on. Yeah. I think you're, you're spot on. There's some things that deserve a lot of time and attention and a broad spectrum of input and, and all that. And that's important. That's part of what, you know, that's the fundamentals of what makes our, especially, you know, you and I, we work in the Presbyterian uh, world. And so, process is a big deal for us and, and uh, all that. But there are times when you just need to put things into action that that come naturally sort of spilling out of the culture that the, you worked hard to create or that your leadership team works hard to create. And we go, we can, we can do this and we can move pretty quickly because we've already worked and, and set the groundwork for how we make decisions and uh, where, where we can trust people to, to make a decision that's in keeping with the direction that we're going. And so, um, yeah, not everything has to have three committees and, um, seven surveys and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So here's, here's a clear example of how I was reminded of this in the process we went through. And then just thinking about how can this help you all out there to just have a clearly defined process you could go to whenever something like this comes up. So for us, Mm -hmm. it was taking out a few pews in the sanctuary, which is like, I mean, listen, you know nothing about that, Jesse. <laughs> That's right. So, so taking out pews. In the, so basically, our if you can imagine, our sanctuary is uh, a big kind of colonial looking sanctuary that has a balcony. And in the balcony is where we have all of our audiovisual stuff set up. And that audiovisual stuff expanded during lockdown so much that it's really not all that safe or user-friendly to have people sitting in the balcony. We don't need to seat them there. We're not that full downstairs. We could hold uh, close to 600 downstairs. Like we don't need people to sit up there. But some of our people who've been with us a long time, that's their preferred seating. There's maybe like 
half a dozen. And of those half a dozen, many of those are folks who are like, you don't even change the color of the carpet in that room because the Lord will be angry with you. You're right. It's that, that kind of like, don't change anything. Don't change it. Anyway, so um, for those of you who started live streaming, you discovered very quickly, oh my gosh, if you're going to live stream, you need two different soundboards. You need the soundboard for the room, you need the soundboard for the live stream. And you need, you probably only have one, maybe two operators doing that. Oh yeah. And there's the media computer and there's uh, running from the live stream device or whatever it is that you're using and all of the complexities of that. And there's a lot of running around from thing to thing. So we have somebody who's running from our camera station where we have a, a video switcher back to our soundboard for the room and the computer, and then over to where the live board is, which is a little bit further in the balcony. So you have all this kind of movement up there and we have pews up there. So what it looks like, have you ever seen uh, the first Shrek? I don't know if you remember this part, but it's when they're entering the town of Duloc and there's these rope oh, lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good example. Through, and there, there's nobody in line, but they're running. <laughs> they're running back and forth. Through right, the yeah. Through, the guy's running through. He sees, he sees Shrek and he's scared. He runs through all the things. Basically, what our, our production team is doing is... Throughout the entire service, they're running, but they have to run like across all the pews <laughs> in order to get to each thing. And they're super frustrated mm-hmm. because it's it's just not it's very tiring and it's very annoying that the straight line would be if you could take a couple of pews out, they could just run back and forth and be a lot easier for them. Now, since we're not seating anybody up there anyway, we were thinking, OK, well, how do we make this easier for them? And my first impulse was actually, oh, my gosh, you know, we got to do this whole thing and ask the you know, people about what they think about the pews. And we had taken a few pews out uh, six years ago uh, to make more space in between the pews. And we had to do this whole thing. We promised we're going to keep them and store them. And if you want them, you can take them home and all this <laughs> stuff. Nobody took any. Nobody. Yeah, of course like, not. Everybody loved yeah. the idea, but nobody wanted any. So then I'm like, OK. Let's get back to a little easier decision making. I think just working here with the property team and report and asking session what they think, we could do this really quickly. Mm-hmm. So I use this structure. Just what's the win here? How do we mm-hmm. clearly define the win? Mm-hmm. What's preventing the win from happening? Is the obstacle external or internal? Right? Mm-hmm. Is it something I can control or something I can't control? And then how do we minimize or eliminate the obstacle? Mm-hmm. And then how do we just take quick action so we don't sit on this idea forever? Mm-hmm. And, and we'll unpack each step along the way. Yep. But we, we did it. And the decision was made. We brought property up there. So, okay, um, here's the situation. What pews can we take out to make this easier for them? We figured it out. Went to session the next night. They understood the problem. Yep, sounds great. Do it. You know, just get rid of, get rid of those. But don't worry about storing them. Don't worry about that. We'll bring in chairs if we need more seating. And it, it was very good, very quick. It was, it was, I felt well discussed, but we, we did it very quickly. And I was thinking, maybe we all can use a reminder that these decisions can be a little quicker. So I, I've used this quote before. We've talked about this before, but Max Dupree's quote of a leader's job is to define reality. I think this is where it all starts. Mm-hmm. If there's a decision that's in front of you, right? What are the pews that are in your way, so to speak? Whatever that looks like for you. And then how do you define reality? Say, hey, look, if we don't do this, this could lead to a real big problem. Like our production team, they might quit 
if they get frustrated mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. and if they quit, we are in trouble because they are hard to find. Right. So, so think to yourself right on the front end, if we don't do anything, where can this end up? This thing that isn't a big deal that we can take of care of pretty quickly. What happens if we don't take care of it? Mm-hmm. What it will become a big deal. And the issue will get more complicated the longer we wait to do it. Right. Cause you don't just drift into healthy, easy, decisions or effectiveness, it's all intentional. It just says, well, I I hope things get better. I hope, you know, maybe their cardio gets better and they're more capable of running around the pews. Like, or or maybe they'll just get less frustrated over time and it'll all work itself out. Right. No, that wasn't going to happen. Like we had to address it. The pain of doing nothing will be much worse oftentimes than, than the pain you have to do to address the issue. Yeah. Well, and when you're working with really great people in your team and your volunteers, there sometimes people will put up with a lot more than they're willing to really say. Nobody wants to be a whiner or a complainer. Well, some people do, but you know, the, the people, a lot of people just they're willing to to suffer as they're doing things. And so I love that you guys notice the problem and then said, so what can we do to make their their life better or easier? And then took decisive quick action to do it without necessarily dragging it out. And I think sometimes when it comes to an issue like, you know, the pews are, I love that example because they kind of represent, um, you know, resistance to change or, you know, I don't know. Pews are awesome. And if you want pews, that's great. But the point is there's this anxiety about changing something in the church that feels substantive that if we let that worry or fear about the repercussions or what people are going to think or say, sometimes that can cause us to overcomplicate a decision-making process to the point where we create an issue where there wasn't one, right? And so by doing this more in a a more clear and and decisive way, defining the win, defining reality, and then moving towards a decision, you kind of took some of the potential for more anxiety in the system to to represent or to kind of show up. And you didn't just let an issue go on unaddressed. And that, because when we do that, I think there's a morale issue that shows up over time, right? People start to go, well, maybe they don't really care. Maybe they don't see what, you know, the struggle that we're having or not hearing us. And so um, sometimes you just got to go for it. Yeah. So this process, decision-making process is five steps because that sounds right, but it could be less. (laughs) Um, and, And the first step, we say is define the win. Right. Right. If you can't clearly identify the win, you're going to struggle to accomplish it because you don't know what you're mm-hmm. accomplishing. Mm-hmm. If you don't know why you're doing something clearly, if you can't tell somebody why in a sentence or two, you may just want to hang out there before you go any further. Like un- understand why you're doing it. For us, the why was um, since the pandemic, our production needs have become much greater. We could streamline the production process that would take an entire redesign and a lot of money of the balcony. So for now, the win is let's get the obstacles out of the way to make it easier for our production team to do what absolutely must be done. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so our win is how do we eliminate or minimize the obstacle so that they could be more efficient? Mm-hmm. And, and again, if you can't do that, if you can't identify that, spend a little more time thinking about it. Cause that's really, really important. I know I've yeah. tried to do it without really knowing. I was just like, Oh, there's a problem. We got to fix it. But what's the why behind that? Yeah. I think that's so helpful. And it's actually really helpful for you as the leader to, to have a pretty strong sense of what the win is as well, because then it creates urgency for you 
to take the steps that you're going to need to take and the follow-up conversations and follow through. I would say it, when I look back at changes or decisions that we've made, either quick ones or ones that take more of a process, having clearly defined when is a really important starting point for all of that. Because um, if you don't, if you're not clear in your own head about what, where things are going, not that it can't be refined and, and modified along the way, but you're going to have trouble mobilizing people to get excited with you or to move with you or whatever. And so having that kind of one-liner talking point or a couple of sentences about what we're trying to do here and why it matters, uh, I think is crucial. So yeah, so I'd say if you're going to spend some time, this is where a coffee and a, and a yellow notepad can help depending on the complexity of the situation. Just sit down. What, what, is, it, what is the win here? What do we hope happen, happens because or What's the problem and what would it look like if there if, if we had a solution? And then that might be the win that you're looking for. Yeah. And, and clarity is everything right now, it feels like. So if I could be as clear as possible, it's really going to go a long way to getting us where we need to go. Because without the mm-hmm. clarity, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really know what I'm doing in the same way. It's sort of like, again, listen, we use a lot of sports analogies around here. We should have a ESPN <laughs> show. But, you know, if, if I'm in the batting cage... And uh, something, and I can feel something's wrong with my swing. I need a coach there to tell me what's wrong with my swing. I need because I need clarity because I don't know exactly what's wrong with it. I need somebody to point it out for me so I can make the adjustment and fix it. And and I feel like same thing with life in the church. We need to be able to point it out clearly if we're going to fix it. Otherwise, we don't. We get a sense that something's not right, but we don't know what it is. Right. Yeah, I like it. So define so, the win. Define the win. Yeah. Define reality. And then now what's the solution? And so that's the win, whatever that is. So then number two is ask, I know this is total rocket science. <laughs> what's preventing the win? What's getting in the way, Jason? What is it's the pews? Darn it. No. Right. Um, and actually I need to correct myself. I think we, I think we are saving the pews because I think someone said, well, if it doesn't work or we decide to do a redesign, we, we could always put the pews back, right? Yeah. So yeah. anybody listening from my church and you, you just got upset because we were taking my pews. I put them back. We might put them back. We might put them back. Okay. I like it. Um, so uh, what's preventing the win? It, preventing the win. Usually that's the expectations of other people. Right. Maybe it's expectations of certain stakeholders in your church. Mm-hmm. And it's preventing you from taking action, preventing the win, yeah. because you and- know what that can be. You know the email that's coming. That's right. And you've, you've suffered the email before, right? And you also have the scars of leadership to prove that small things sometimes add up to big things for people. And I would say the biggest struggle that I have is my perceived expectations or projected expectations or what I expect that they're going to say instead of actually (laughs) what they would say, because most people hopefully by now are somewhat reasonable. There's unreasonable people for sure in our, our churches, but for the most part, if if there's a well thought out reason why you're doing what you're doing, a clear win, and you take the time to have that conversation for for stakeholders, they're going to go, okay, I, I might not like it, but I can understand it. Or they might say, hey, makes great sense. But I would say as leaders, because we've been beaten up, because we do have scars, we have a tendency to over expect a really negative response. And so that I would say is a huge obstacle. It's a, it's a big one for me. Yeah. And especially with everything we've just gone through with the pandemic and all the extra stress and sometimes flack and, and all of that, it's like, why do I need want to bring one more thing upon myself? I would just rather do nothing. (laughs) But again, the pain of doing nothing is not going to be 
it's going to be a lot worse. Right. There's a cost, right? There's always yeah. a cost to not doing what needs to be done. And so what's preventing the wind? Sometimes it's, it's actually us and our unwillingness to make a decisive action or to, le- to invite our team to make a decisive action because of our fears or what we think the fallout might be or this or that. So we can get paralyzed around decision-making. And I would say, you know, this is the hard truth about our roles as, as leaders, but a lot of times we are we are the bottleneck. We are the ceiling to our organization. We are the problem, whatever, because um, for like it or not, we're the ones that are in that position that we get to set the tone and direction in a lot of things. And so that's a responsibility, but sometimes we're the ones that we know, man, if, if, if we're not careful, it could go sideways. So that for me is another reason why having a clear idea of what the win is can help me actually overcome some of that hesitation. And uh, so anyway, what other things are preventing wins out there, Jason? So we get in the way. I, I think, what else? Yeah. L- lack of a plan. Yeah. Lack of a plan will, will prevent it. It's like, okay, well, I know, I know, I know the why, right. Or I could de- define the win, but you know, okay, so let's just do it. <laughs> right. Well, wait a minute. Um, how are we going to get the pews out of the balcony? How are we going to do that? Do they even fit through the doors of the balcony? anymore do we need to get a lift do we need to uh cut a hole in the side of the building right. and pull I mean, them out like, right yeah. yeah if if you don't have a plan then it's going to slow you down so i mean that's why we brought in the property team right away just say hey yeah. even before i go to session to make this decision that that's our elder board is it feasible can we do how, it how can we do this fairly easily and they're like oh yeah, yeah no problem we could just do this and you and did this, a couple this. of really important things there now you're not surprising anybody on your team right your building's yeah. team that you need their buy-in anyway and you're inviting kind of the experts in the room to kind of weigh in. And what happens there, this is my experience anyway, is that a lot of the questions that other people are going to ask, and maybe you're even asking yourself, they're going to help answer. And so now when people say, well, have you thought about and what about and did you think of, we go, yeah, actually, here's here's what we were talking. Man, we asked that same question. That's a great question. Here's what we thought. So you've actually done some some plowing of the ground ahead of time, sort of you you're building a, a uh, sort of a working frequently asked questions database as you go through that planning process too, or just kind of getting your mind around an idea. So I think it's huge. So clearly identifying the win and then thinking, thinking it through, having a plan, not giving into your fear of the expectations of others. So anything else on the what prevents wins? I mean, I think all these things are sort of in the same orbit, right? It's like, yeah. uh, may, what's preventing the win? Sometimes it is your elder board. Or, or sometimes yeah. it is uh, your resources or volunteers, or sometimes it's longtime volunteers who have such a stake in it that if you change something, they're going to freak out. Or maybe it's your right. staff and, and they're not all on board, or maybe it's right. the outdated systems that you have in your church. Whatever your thing is, there are a lot of things that can be preventing the win. But here's the important thing, is if you don't identify that, mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard to change it. Because again, you're when you're making when you're leading change, you're always fighting a couple of things at the same time. One of the things you're fighting is in the absence of information, people will make up their own story about something. Right. And so if you're not able to provide them with the information of what we're trying to do, how we're trying to do it, and this is the plan, they're gonna fill that with their own stuff which right. may or may not be very accurate. And I've learned right. from experience, it's usually not very accurate. 
and, and and they'll fill the gap. And if they don't know your intent, they'll fill the gap in. Like if I don't, if I'm not, wasn't clear with session or with property that the reason we're doing this is for the ongoing success of our hybrid <laughs> worship ministry. Right, right, right. Somebody could have said, well, that's just because you hate everything traditional and you want to get rid of the pews. Like they'll make up their own intent right. if we don't supply that. So you see what I'm saying? You're always sort of navigating a bunch of these things at once. So give forth the information with the appropriate people. We didn't open up to the entire congregation and be like, hey, what do you think if we did this? No, no, no. But we did it with the appropriate leadership in the church to make this quick decision so that we can fix it as fast as possible. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, and I think here there's just a little caveat here too is um, be careful not to use a quick decision process like this these are for functional, important things that you can stand by and where in the end, if, if it goes right or wrong, things aren't going to implode. But, you know, there might be a temptation to use something like this to kind of ram your 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 secret agenda into place. Yeah, don't do yeah. that. That's not what we're talking about here. <laughs> we're talking about things that can be quickly solved and create a win that people can then feel good about, especially the key, the key people in that situation can go. We've been heard. Thank you, man. You worked quickly. We made it happen. We didn't have to wait three months. Good job. Um, so if anything, what I, I hear when we're doing a process like this, we can get a quick win that creates morale, solves a problem, and we don't have to bog down into sort of system process kind of stuff that's going to, you know, bog it down to the point where it may never get done and uh, or, or it's going to just exacerbate the problem. So no secret agenda cramming no. in this scenario, but I hear you say, so what's the win? What's preventing the win? And then we're talking about obstacles. Let's, let's park and camp out on that a little bit. Cause I think yeah. there, it's related to what prevents the win, but it's, it's a little nuanced from there. Well, I think it's understanding what, what are the kinds of obstacles that, that we're facing here? Are they external or internal? What I mean is, mm-hmm. are, is, are they internal something we can do something about? Or are they external, which we can just re- sort of react to? Like, for example, is is what's going on in the worship service, is worship attendance an external obstacle or an internal obstacle? Well, it's external in the sense of there's the declining attendance patterns of churchgoers in America over the last 25 years, for sure. But it's internal in the sense that, like, if I just preach the worst sermons ever, <laughs> it will have an impact. So, but if I can identify the things that I can change or can right. work on, that helps me helps me work on the right things. If I'm like, well, I'm going to change attendance patterns in America, like that's probably not <laughs> not going to go my pretty, way. That's, yeah, you know, yeah, that's a tough tough one to crack, right? So I think, I think it's a helpful exercise to kind of identify are the challenges that we're facing internal or external. And, you know, for us in this case, it was very clearly internal. It's something that we could do something about Um, the external parts, like what the perception of it will be by others, but it's, it's much more muted in this particular case because there's, it's a low risk decision. Yeah. And there's, this is sort of when you get to, you know, there's sort of the why creating the win, and this is sort of the how and the what stuff, like, how are we going to pull it off? What's it? What, what are the things that are going to make it hard or what's out of our control? What's inside of our control? And so I think that's an important thought process to go through too. And, at, you know, in a lot of ways, you just got to kind of write off the things that are outside of your control. And um, 
do what you can do. And um, I think that's, again, coming back to the, what you said first about creating a, a clear definition of the win, having clarity around that um, actually gives you, I think, clarity around then, okay, the how and the what kind of fill in from there. What are, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? And what are the things that maybe, you know, we can just, we don't have to sweat it you know, like what people are going to think in the long run because we're making a good decision. So let's do it. Yeah. And again, it, it helps create, um, if you use a process, whatever your process is, if it's something similar to this, it makes people feel like it's being thoroughly thought about. You, mm-hmm. you didn't just come in and announce, this is what we're doing and this is how we're doing it to everybody there. Because whenever you do that, people want to know the thought process behind it. And if you, if you do that, you could do that for some things, but if you do it too much, um, you're not going to get the kind of, as you said, buy-in. And oftentimes you get a much, much better answers to the questions if you attack them as a group or, or at least somebody just outside of yourself. Yeah. So identifying those key teams or key people and just saying, Hey, here's what's going on. What do you think? Or we're really considering, you know, we'd love to have your input on it, whatever, like that, man, that goes so far to creating the goodwill that in the end actually makes it a win for everybody too. And not just for you or a couple of people. Yeah. And so, and then when you've sort of identified those things, then it's okay, well, what would it take to minimize or eliminate the obstacle? Mm-hmm. And I think this is all about, so you, you kind of come to a bit of a consensus with those people that you're dialoguing with about what the move is. And then when you go to your session or elder board, I think it's really important to acknowledge this was a team effort and here's a clear option for you to consider. Mm-hmm. Because I, I've, I'm not a big fan of let's go to your elder board and you know what? We're not sure what to do. Let's, let's all just sort of talk about what we could possibly do. I feel like if you can narrow the possibilities to something that's a clear option, the elders or your decision-making board, they can always add and subtract to that option however they want. But if you've already kind of come to this idea why start from scratch again? So I'm a big fan of bring a clear option for them to consider. They can vote it down or they could change it, but I feel like it guides the dialogue in a much more helpful, product, productive and efficient way than just sort of like, hey, everyone, I got a big pad of notepaper. What do y'all think? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're spot on. And there are times maybe when even you could offer kind of two options to consider if they're sure. available or you can, but to be clear about what you're asking them to make a decision on is crucial. People, it's not fair to ask people to make a decision about something really ambiguous or that's not well-defined. And they, so then they're like, so what am I saying yes to? If I say yes, are you going to take out all the pews in the whole sanctuary? Or like, is it these pews or those pews or what is it? Um, and you know, so I think you owe it to your team, your decision makers to have thought through it enough with the key people to present a clear, a clear option or a couple of clear options and then talk it through and, and do some of the kind of catching them up to speed sort of question and answer stuff. But if you just come in and say, hey, we're thinking about making a few changes in the balcony to accommodate our sound equipment and, and video equipment. Is that cool? <laughs> I mean, it it's the same question, right? You're yeah. We need some changes up there. But man, is that the wrong way to go? Um, <laughs> because inevitably people are going to be like, well, what does that mean? Like, are we going to build like a big sound room up there? Is there going to be like a 
what is, I mean, then people's imaginations run wild and right. And then actually leads to problems. So getting out ahead, thinking that working the problem ahead of time, and then getting clear about options is, is crucial. That could be its own point. Maybe we need to add that one in there, provide some clear options, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and then just finally take action as soon as you possibly can. Don't put it off. Yeah. Because, you know, churches are notorious for putting things off or, you know, let's, hmm, let's analyze this again next month, next month's meeting. Let's come back to this. Uh, Let's spend a little more time thinking about it and then we'll come back to it. Right. No, just, you know, go for it. And and sometimes you're going to, you have to come back to stuff if people aren't ready. But I think if you follow the process that you've just laid out for us, I think we can get, put people into decision to make, uh, put people in a position to make decisions, even on pretty short notice, you know? And so I, I love it. I think this is good stuff and it gives us a sort of a, a, a framework for how do we how do we do things that just need to get done without it taking forever to get done. And again, I think this almost peels all the way back to the level of church culture. Are you a high trust trust and high accountability in the context of trust organization, or are you a low trust micromanagement, second guess everything? I know better than, and everybody's kind of arguing back and forth about whatever. And and that takes time to create a situation where you've bankrolled enough good decisions over time with your teams and your process that people go, you know what? I know Jason. I know the staff. I know our building team. They make good decisions for us. So, man, if they say this is what needs to happen and this is the win for our team and it's going to help our mission and they've got a pretty good plan ready to roll out and they've kind of thought through the obstacles and things that might get in the way. Hey, I'm on board. I trust you. Let's go. Um, So I I think, again, um, creating wins like this over time makes it easier to create more wins like this over time. So it's, it's one of yeah. those things that kind of works on. It, it definitely stacks on snowballs. It definitely yep. snowballs in a good way. I think mm-hmm. too, it, this is a, this is a way of continuing to have a team based approach to decision-making, mm-hmm. but not having to turn it into, you know, just this huge, like we need to have a task force and a study because you just don't need that for everything that comes across yep. your desk. But it is really good to be able to say, this was a session decision. This was an elder yeah. decision, right? Yeah. It wasn't just the pastor. It wasn't going just rogue a few people. Like, this is what yeah. we need to do. There was a process that they yeah. followed. And the truth is most decisions you make like this can be undone. Right. Like if, if everybody freaks out or if it doesn't really work or accomplish, we could put the pews back. Like, so I think sometimes we just get, we get so ramped up because we're so into whatever the decision is that we think, Oh my gosh, you know, this is, what if I choose wrong? Listen, if you choose Mm -hmm. wrong, then fix it. Like we'll figure it out then. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. I like that. And I think too, you know, this is again, it's when, as you're defining the win and thinking about the problem, thinking about the level of decision-making, who is the right group or person to own this, decision. And and there's some decisions, maybe we want our teams making all kinds of decisions all the time that are in keeping with our vision and mission and not have to micromanage those. But there are some that rise to the level of your senior leadership team or your session or your board for the very reason that you want to be able to say, we made this decision together. We didn't, this is not something that we just slid in through the back door and, you know, did without anybody knowing about it. So if it's, if it gets to that level, you just want to make sure that you're kind of following these steps and getting that clear option for your senior leadership team to decide on so that you can say it wasn't just this team or this person or just me. 
this is something we all looked at and we decided this is the best thing for us right now. So we're going to go for it. And if you know what, if it doesn't work out, then maybe we'll, we'll put it back, but probably not. Well, I hope this is helpful to folks just to remind you of going through a process like this to make some quick decisions, whatever your pews may be that are <laughs> in the way of <laughs> right. people running back, whatever that looks like for you. Again, I hope it's just a helpful reminder. This is all stuff that everybody knows, but I think yeah. it's the stuff that's easily forgotten in the fog of war, so to speak, when yeah. you know, we're just trying to get through and there's a lot going on and you know, it's September. Yeah, there's a lot of decision and, fatigue and going on. There's, we're just decision weary and exhausted. Like crazy, right? We're kind of just beat down. And so it's almost yeah. like, but people are looking to us for leadership and to lead decisions that need to be made. And I don't want to be an executive leader mode either, where we're just going, well, this is what I think. So therefore we're going to yeah, do it. For, so yeah, thinking about not. carefully about how to create wins, how to, how to do it quickly, but still bring in the right voices to help, um, help shape the decision. So I love it, Jason. This is really good stuff. I was, I was actually taking notes as you were talking about a couple of things that we're working on here and, you know, we're all facing challenges, whether, whether you're facing, you know, attendance challenges, or maybe your, your giving has changed over the course of the pandemic or, you're just structurally, you're not sure how to staff things now and what's it going to look like, or you're, um, you're looking to solve something really specific, like an issue that would make life easier for you and your team. You know, um, the good news is God, for better or worse, God put us in a position of leadership, right? And we're, we're facing this moment. And I've been hearing from a lot of our friends and colleagues of, we're kind of looking out the window going, what else could I be doing right now? Right. Is there another job that has a lot less, less decision-making, <laughs> less stress, less. Est- and I, I just want us to remember the joy of what we get to do that all these decisions add up to impacted lives, people getting to, to ex- experience the love of Jesus, that uh, being a community together, having those moments of celebration, like you guys had there at tower Hill with your fall kickoff stuff. And, um, you know, that's, that's why we're here. That's why we're doing these things. That's why you make a decision about the balcony. That's why you face hard define reality about how things are actually going and then face them with your leadership teams. And, and, um, and so hang in there, I guess, is the, the short version. We're all running on fumes in some places, feeling maybe some life in other places, but keep going because what you're doing, it matters. It adds up over time. And uh, we just, we appreciate your faithfulness. Keep it up. Amen. You said it perfectly. And really, it's just a reminder of something that we say every week. And it's a reminder to me every time I say it, that life is hard and it is so much better when we do it together. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey. 